0: He'll go back. He ran it
1: back 109 yards. They're not going to keep him off the field tonight. Boise State for the win. They hand it off to Johnson. Boise State has won the Tostitos Festival. Can you believe it? He's going for the corner. He's got it.
0: Finch Young scores.
1: And the kick is blocked. Washington state has stunned the college football world one of the greatest upsets in sports history
2: welcome back to another episode of the fifth year podcast my name is clint maxey the producer joined here by parker biggs uh, on to week six great week five few upsets uh before we get into it parker you have a exciting weekend this weekend heading down to dallas Yep, best weekend of the year. Uh, if if OU if the Oklahoma Texas game in Dallas uh,
1: can't make you love college football, then nothing else can, because whether you're a Texas fan or Oklahoma fan or a fan of anyone else, it really is a, a crazy atmosphere right in the middle of the State Fair of Texas, Big techs, wax beers, corn dogs, mm. showing up at 8 a.m. Yeah. being horribly hung over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, there's nothing quite like it. So
2: waking up at five after the date party on Friday. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: So I'm, uh, you know, it's my favorite weekend of the year. Uh, it's gonna, should be fun. That'll be a good game. That's uh really looking forward to the game. I think yeah. it could be more. Com- I mean, I think it's the most evenly matched. Those teams have looked, I think it means the most out of recent years. I mean, also this is this a huge, I mean, this yeah. is, if Sark like the big 12, get, if SART can get this one done in year one, mm-hmm. I, I think Lincoln's the only coach in the series to have a, a win uh in his debut and that's oh, wow. only because he and herman were both in their debut so I like this would that. be really the first to if start could pull this off i mean i wouldn't be surprised either way if these teams play each other again later in the year yeah. in the conference title but yeah we'll get more into this game but yeah it should be fun yeah
2: and then if anyone's wondering recovery is going well we are uh five five days out had my first shower in five days at Literally was the best thing in the entire world. So yeah, We're he normally
1: showers every four days.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's usually every four, but man, that extra day really got to me. So, but it's going good. It's going good. All right, let's get on to looking back and uh, recapping week five. Start off with Alabama Georgia. It really just seems like they're taking off from the rest of the pack.
1: Yeah, that one from the get go didn't look so good for for Arkansas. Didn't you think like when when Georgia comes when Georgia and Alabama the two teams when they come out of the tunnel. They look different. Than I know. I know. Like, they just look massive.
2: Yeah. They're just. Yeah.
1: I mean, I totally agree. Jordan Davis, the guys on that Georgia defensive line are are insane, and just from the get go, Georgia came out firing. and got up 21-0 in the first quarter. Uh, the the that last touchdown in the first quarter was that block pump by Dan Jackson, re- recovered by Z- Zaire White, is one of their better running backs. Uh, and then it was, the story of the day was the run game and the defense. They didn't need much out of Stetson Bennett. He only had. 72 passing yards on 11 attempts, seven completions. Uh, the run game was really, really strong. White and Cook led the group like normal, but it was really a committee approach. Four guys rushed for over 45 yards. Uh, McIntosh and Kendall Milton, two really talented guys, also helped out there. I mean, Georgia just is always loaded at running back. They reload. Um, I mean, they've got as many guys in the league as anyone. So. Not surprising to see them get it down on the ground, um, but the run defense uh, was also key. Arkansas has basically run pretty much at will on everyone this season. Uh, could not do that against Georgia. They were missed defenses defense is yeah. just scary. I mean, seventy-five yards on twenty-nine carries, and that's two point six yards of carry. So not much success for the Hogs on the ground. I mean, and that's the that's going to be the case for Arkansas. If they can't get it going on the ground, they're in trouble. Uh, Love K.J. Jefferson. He can do some stuff on the ground that a lot of quarterbacks can't, but when he, when they're playing from behind and he has to throw it, they're in trouble. 65 yards on eight of 13 passing. In a situation where you're trying to play from behind, that's not good. So uh, that's uh, – I mean, it was over from the get-go, but they've just got guys that look like Game of Thrones characters. Jordan Davis, yeah. 90, 99 for those
2: that don't know his name. I mean, the guy that literally looks – like a mountain mm-hmm. did you see the goal line package with yeah. jordan davis came in? and yeah. then i don't i forgot his name but number 88 did you see that oh, clip uh, of him blocking three guys yeah it was a- insane
1: 88's uh, i forget his name he's he might actually he might be better than davis. yeah i think he he's is. just not as big and right. intimidating but yeah so arkansas i mean it's still been a great start of the season not that game didn't go how they expected but or, or how they hoped but did Arkansas fans really think they were going to go into Athens and win that game? Yeah. I mean, that would have been quite the feat. So, Arkansas has got a chance to bounce back here against Ole Miss this week. So, that will be a good – I mean, if they can win that one, I mean, there's they can still be the second-best team in the SEC West. So, uh, a lot to play for still. A team that's going to be competing and fighting for maybe a New Year's Six Bowl, but uh, they got brought to reality pretty quickly by the
2: Dogs. That's, that's yeah, sure. I'm excited about that game. Yeah. So really good game. Three really good games. Really interesting games, I should say this weekend.
1: Yeah. And then uh the other SEC game uh that was a big one, Alabama and Ole Miss. Uh this one was another blowout. Alabama wins this one. What was it? 41-21, 42-21, something, something like, that. like that. Um so ba- uh, Saban gets to 24 and 0 against former assistance, wow. which is insane. And that <laughs> it is, is I thought oh, what a horrible. I picked Ole Miss in, in this one and Saban just he proves you. I mean, you don't pick against Alabama, so that was dumb of me. Uh, the game was probably closer than it or was shouldn't have been this big of a blowout. Ole Miss p- was playing well uh, early in that game, uh, but just got real aggressive in their play calling. I think it was two for four on fourth down in the first halves, but those non conversions were huge. Uh, that opening drive, they drove all the way down in Alabama, got inside the five, went for it on fourth down. I think inside like at the one or two yard line couldn't convert so that was an opportunity to get up seven uh they had another opportunity later uh it really could have been like a 14 lead for Ole Miss early but they couldn't convert on the opportunities and then when they were already down 14-0 Kiffin for some reason decided to go for it on fourth down inside like well inside their own territory like at the 30-yard line um, gave it to Alabama and they took a 21-0 commanding lead and it was pretty much over from there I mean, like Georgia, is not a team you want to give a lead to. You can't let them play with a, a lead because they've right. just got so much firepower. They're probably not going to give that up. Uh, Ole Miss's offense didn't do what they needed to. They weren't able to run the ball at will on Alabama like they did last year. Matt Corral, still one of the Heisman favorites. Uh, didn't have a bad game, 21 for 29, 213 yards and a touchdown, uh, but just couldn't get it down on the ground. I think Henry Toe uh, Toe. I never know how to say it, That uh, Tennessee – transfer uh, a Al- linebacker for Alabama he's really helped that rush defense so they put the clamps on all Miss and uh, they couldn't really get any big plays which that offense relies on so uh, Alabama and Georgia have separated themselves from the rest of college football pretty clearly I think they're 1A and 1B and there's a pretty far j- uh, gap from there so uh, it almost seems like a collision course at this point and unless one of them loses before the SEC title game which, I mean, obviously can happen. A lot of football left. But if they both go undefeated through this regular season, they're both going to get to the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, no matter what happens in that SEC title game. So, uh, like Arkansas, Ole Miss, big opportunity against Arkansas in a bounce-back game this weekend uh, to kind of show that they are legit and that, you know, that was just Alabama. So, uh, good good wins for the two best teams in the country. Um, those were fun games to watch or not. They were not fun games to watch I mean, they were <laughs> yeah. with blowouts. So. Yeah, I know.
2: Especially George, Georgia, Arkansas was oh a my really gosh, yeah, it was done from the yeah. middle of the first quarter. Uh, yeah. When did, was that the first quarter when they blocked that punt? I think it was, and it was like 21, zero, I think yeah, and into the first, first quarter. Yeah. yeah. All right. Moving on to Cincinnati took care of what they've needed to so far and really their biggest test of the year going into Notre Dame and beating them. Yeah. Uh, similar to, uh,
1: Georgia they got off to a real quick start got up 17 early in the first half uh 17-0 kind of off of dumb mistakes by Notre Dame Chris Tyree fumbled on a kick return and gave Cincy good field position uh which they I think got a field goal out of and then for some reason they brought in freshman quarterback Tyler Buchner uh early in the game in the first quarter uh for him only to throw an interception so uh Notre Dame was playing from behind early. This was definitely, in my opinion, I mean, I think most people's opinion, the biggest win in Cincinnati history. Uh, It was their first ever regular season top 10 matchup, and they break Notre Dame's 26-game home win streak. So, obviously, even outside of what it means for playoff talks, big win for Cincinnati, but they're all the way up to number four in the AP poll now. Uh, And with what's going on in college football, they're positioning themselves really well for an opportunity to uh to make a run at the playoffs i think things to look for uh, forward to for cincinnati one obviously they have to win out they've got to go undefeated to make the playoffs i think that's pretty obvious and two and maybe just as important they need notre dame to keep going they can't have yeah. a seven and five type season from notre dame notre dame needs to you know go ten and two nine and three something like that
2: to kind of so cincinnati's resume stay strong yeah, because that Indiana win doesn't look as good, too, so they have to at least have Notre Dame continue to win. Right, exactly. And Cincinnati's just
1: really, really good. On They're so well-rounded. Their defense showed they're for real. I mean, they Jack Cohn got benched because he couldn't do anything against uh, the uh, Cincy defense. Ahmad Gardner, their All-American cornerback, showed what he's all about and why he's one of the best DBs in the country. He had an interception uh Myjai Sanders and Darian Beavers uh both got after the quarterbacks so that defense. I mean I just love love watching that defense. So they continued to do what they do. And then Desmond Ritter has really put himself right in the Heisman contention, which is surprising to me. He doesn't have crazy numbers, crazy stats, but he wins ball games. He doesn't really turn the ball over. Uh he had 297 yards, two passing touchdowns and a running touchdown. Um and suddenly he's the third Heisman favorite, about 12-1, to 1, only behind Bryce Young and Matt Corral. So uh Cincinnati, I mean, there's a lot of excitement around that program right now. Alec Pierce had a big game, the senior receiver, six catches, 144 yards. Um, So, I mean, they're, they they got to keep winning. They've got a couple opportunities for pretty big wins down the stretch. They need SMU to keep winning too, yep. to have them as highly ranked as possible when the ponies come to town. Um, but yeah, uh, huge win for Cincinnati. As far as Notre Dame goes, I mean, they scraped by several opponents throughout uh, early in the season, so um, I'm not was not surprised at all that Cincinnati got this done. But Notre Dame's got a chance to still have a, a good season. The offensive line continues to be really bad, so they got to figure that out going forward. Um, but yeah, huge huge win for Cincinnati. I was I was happy happy to. I don't want to. I mean, I don't like. I just
2: don't like Notre Dame, and yeah, I think Cincinnati's fun to watch. So mm-hmm. that was a fun game. Yeah, it. Uh, it after this weekend, it got me thinking because Cincinnati, if they went out, obviously, but you could have this kind of leads into the next topic. But you have maybe an undefeated Cincinnati. You have clearly two best teams and a one loss non conference winner like Georgia or Alabama, whoever loses. And then this is leading to the next topic, but in the Big Ten, now you have Iowa, Penn State, and Michigan. It's, there's going to be so many teams, if only the 12-team twelve, to 12 team playoff started this year. But there's just going to be a lot of teams, but I'll kind of lead that into uh, the Big Ten and Iowa, Penn State, and Michigan. Yeah, so uh, Big
1: Ten has had a really strong start to the season. Uh, Iowa continues to roll uh, up to number three in the country what seemed like a trap game against Maryland on a Friday night uh, against a good ma- good Maryland offense. I mean Iowa just dominates winning 51-14 and picked off two, I mean now more than ever I just have to call him to his little brother after that performance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, true. But Talia or whatever. Uh, I'll give it to you this yeah, week. He uh, he threw five picks. I think four were in the in the second quarter when Maryland got
2: outscored by Iowa 31 to 0. That line didn't even make sense. Uh, Iowa by 3. I was thinking Cincinnati plus three. It was didn't look right, so I yeah, thought that was a good pick. Yeah, but. I was on
1: Iowa, so I was
2: and I had a losing weekend,
1: so any win I could get was good. So I was happy about that. I always got twelve. Their defense is I mean, nuts. Mm-hmm. They've had twelve interceptions already on the season by eight different players. Wow. Three defensive touchdowns. Riley Moss has three interceptions. Um, and then their offense just takes advantage of these. They don't have to. They might not have the most explosive offense to the world, and that's their kind of the knock against them. You don't have to have the most explosive offense, though, if you're getting the ball at the 30-yard mm-hmm. line. or yep. I mean, if you're constantly in the opponent's territory. Uh, Spencer Petras had his best game of the year at quarterback. Uh, five total touchdowns, three passing, two rushing. So I love, love what's, what uh, Ferentz and his staff is doing in Iowa City. They got a huge one coming up against Penn State this week, who uh, blanked. Indiana on Saturday. That defense is looking stronger and stronger. Uh, They're number four in the country, so two top five teams for the Big Ten there, and they look like they are Ohio or they or Michigan are Ohio State's biggest threat in the Big Ten East. Uh, Michigan shut down Wisconsin. uh, That Wisconsin rush offense, which is kind of been a kryptonite for the Wolverines in recent years, Uh, they couldn't do anything against the Michigan uh, front seven Michigan had uh, uh, Michigan held Wisconsin to 43 yards on 32 carries. Oh so uh, they showed, uh, I mean, they played a really good and Wisconsin's run defense is really good. And Michigan had leaned on the run this season. So it was uh, impressive to me to watch Michigan get it done um, a different way. Offensively had to do a little more through the air. McNamara had a good game. Um, and just showing that they di- that they don't need two hundred fifty three hundred yards rushing to win ball games, mm-hmm. so I I've, I've been really really impressed with uh, what Harbaugh has done with this revamped staff at Michigan uh, earlier this year, and they've got another test this weekend in Lincoln, so that should uh, we should find out more about Michigan, but yeah, at the end of the day, I still think Ohio State's the team to beat in the conference uh, until they lose a conference game. Um, I'm gonna think that, but I mean, this Big Ten. I'm ex- this Big Ten race is the most exciting of yeah.
2: any conference this season. They have uh, they have five top eleven teams right now. Crazy.
1: Yep. Yeah, so great start for the Big Ten.
2: All right, moving on to Kentucky pulling off the win. It is uh, I can't remember. Was it at Florida? Uh, no, it was at Kentucky. At no, Kentucky. It was actually Kentucky's.
1: First win over Florida at home since 1986. Oh, yeah, I did see that. So, huge Crazy. win for Mark Stoops in the uh, Wildcat program. Uh, this was a gritty game. Not a whole lot of offense going on. Pretty stale until uh, Kentucky blocked a field goal, which Trevin Wallace returned 76 yards for a touchdown late in the third to take the 10-7 lead. and Never really – or, no, no, sorry, to take the 13-10 lead there – no, 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 sorry. It was seven to seven. They took a thirteen seven lead. Um, so it was a big momentum switch there and an opportunity for Florida to take Florida to take the lead. Uh that was kind of the difference. Florida just Florida actually out was outgained uh Kentucky three eighty two to two eleven. Uh but Emory Jones was just asked to do too much. He was the leading rusher as well as obviously their leading passer. So Florida, I don't know what to make of them. They didn't look like the same team that went wire-to-wire wire with Alabama, that ran the ball all over Alabama and shut down the run. Uh, they did – their past defense looked really good. They slowed down uh, slowed down Kentucky's pass game. But um, there are some question marks for Florida uh, and Kentucky dark horse team in the SEC now. Uh, now all, we'll all we'll look ahead to that Kentucky-Georgia game. Later in the year, because that might be Georgia's biggest remaining test. Uh, but Kentucky has struggled against all SEC East powerhouses in general. So they haven't had great success against Georgia. It'll be interesting to see if they can keep it rolling. But I love what they what they have. Uh, love as a quarterback. Rodriguez at running back. Really stout defense. Uh, I mean, they're a solid, solid team. I would put them definitely in that same stratosphere as like an Ole Miss or Arkansas, um, kind of beefing up the middle of the SEC this season.
2: Mm-hmm. And the uh, Pac-12 cannibalism has begun. Stanford yep. beats Oregon, and yeah. Yeah, uh, Stanford. this was a fun game. Stanford yeah, got out was. to an early
1: 17-7 lead at half before Oregon scored 17 unanswered to go up 24-17. And then that sputtering Stanford offense, which couldn't do anything the entire second half, kind of out of the blue, just pulls up, goes 87 yards on in less than two minutes to force overtime. Tanner McKee threw a touchdown pass with and on an untimed down, uh Oregon had three bad was a mess. bad turnovers or bad uh penalties on that drive. Um so McKee gets the game tying touchdown, then they get the ball first in overtime, and he throws another touchdown. Um so big, big win for Stanford's program. And uh, they've really kind of rided the ship uh with Tanner McKee being under center. They've uh they've looked pretty good. But Oregon, after that win over Ohio State, has just Boring. They're mm-hmm. they're
2: it's are solid, but they're. I think Anthony Brown is just really inconsistent. Yeah. Like he, he played so well against Ohio State, and then just yeah. I really.
1: don't. I just think Ohio State's defense also is also yeah, bad. That too. I, I think he. I think their offense is a little bit stale, but they do have that Mulligan because they did beat Ohio State on the road. So mm-hmm. uh, their playoff chances are definitely not over. If they could run the table in the Pac-12, they're obviously still a playoff contender, but uh,
2: not a game they wanted to lose. Yeah, and then rapid fire here some of the other games from week five i'll let you yeah uh aggies continue to
1: struggle a&m loses 26 22 to mississippi state so that game against alabama this weekend has lost all of its luster uh oklahoma state kind of on a roll here they uh get a win over ranked baylor 24 14 that poke defense really really good um and their run game is really good too so uh pokes look like uh a team that could compete for the Big Twelve.
2: I don't know if you heard that, but that was the <laughs> loudest thing I think I've ever heard. Yeah. Continue. No.
1: Okay. Uh <laughs> uh Heupel's got Tennessee kind of rolling here. They dominated Missouri sixty two, twenty four. Uh and Eli Drinkowitz uh little spiel at or just a stick he's got at Missouri He's gonna get real old. He already had to fire his defensive line coach after that loss. So uh Missouri trending downwards. Tennessee though, sixty-two points. The Vol fans had to love to see that. Uh, Clemson wins over Boston College, nineteen-thirteen, but those offensive struggles continue. They are only averaging fourteen-point-three points per game against FBS competition. So uh, that is, but biz- whatever is going down in Clemson is bizarre. Uh, Keeping in the ACC, Pitt destroys Virginia Tech or uh, Georgia Tech, fifty-two twenty-one. Uh, that's a team to watch out for in the ACC. Outside of one loss to Western Michigan, which actually is not a bad MAC team, uh, Pitts looks really good. So with Clemson looking very very vulnerable and the ACC looking wide open, watch out for Pitt. Uh, Arizona State, Herm Edwards, big win over UCLA, forty-two twenty-three. Uh, probably they're the, they're probably the favorite in the Pac-12 South now after that one. Boise loses another one to Nevada. Uh, They dropped 2-3 and on the season. They lose that one 41-31. I know it's Andy Avalos' first season there, but got to wonder about uh, if that Boise dynasty is kind of starting to dwindle a little bit. Uh, They haven't been as strong in recent years. Uh, The Knolls get their first win of the season as FSU beats Syracuse 33-30. So they needed that one. They need a... (laughs) Uh, Norvell is probably not going to get fired this season, but he needs to pick up a couple more uh, on the home stretch of the season. Auburn uh, with a nice bounce back or, uh, with beating LSU twenty four nineteen as Coach O'Seat continues to heat up. And then the game of the week, uh, Vanderbilt with a thirty to twenty eight win over UConn.
2: Uh, yeah, so that was beautiful football right there. There's another, I, know, I think it's like 0-5, UConn versus 0-6. I, I forgot who they're playing this year. are playing UMass. UMass. It's literally probably the two worst teams in the country. It's going <laughs> to yeah. be awesome. Yeah. I'll pick that game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Moving on to a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Alabama running back, Jason McClellan. I guess I shouldn't say it with that attitude. About to a say two season-ending injuries. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of this. On a, a, on a lighter that. note. I remember, I can't, that was like episode one. See, you anyway. can
1: say whatever you want. You've had two torn ACLs. So oh yeah, I know. That's you true. have the right to. I have a
2: current, actually not torn. It is fully Cur- repaired. So. But yeah, Alabama running back Jason McClellan out for the season after an injury versus Ole Miss. And Dante Demus. I think it's Demus, but I might be wrong. Out for season with a knee injury. Yeah, he's Stuffed the like Maryland receiver. He was a okay. leading receiver. Uh, Got injured on a kick return early in the game. So that is what we have for week. F- oh yeah, uh, did you see my text about? Um, um I don't know why I'm. Should oh, Gary Patterson. Him? Gary Patterson. Did you see? My oh text yeah. About him? He, we well, said he's gonna com- he's gonna make up an excuse for. What this. was it again?
1: He had already got his, ex- what it was his was, excuse uh,
2: for Texas. Oh, he was just hating on the fact that they ran Bijan Robinson like that many times. He oh yeah, basically no, just, I, Oh yeah. He. Oh, I don't know how you can't like running back can't make it four years. Says uh, Yeah, Gary Patterson criticizes the number of carries Texas running back had. Like, it's just always something. (laughs) Such a loser. All right, so we are bringing on Joe Castiglione Jr., so let's get to that interview. I'm really excited to welcome uh, a good friend of mine,
1: uh, Joe Castiglione Jr. So Joe uh, played football at OU, uh, is the son of uh, OUAD, big Joe C. Um, And so Joe has a really, really good pulse. About what's going on in Norman leading up to this game. Uh, Joe, just first of all, what are, I mean, it's OU Texas week, so got to be excited about that. You fired up.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know if you aren't excited about this game or then you don't have a pulse. I mean, exactly. it's one of those things that the cat, the week turns and it's almost like this excitement builds throughout Norman, as you guys know from your time when you went here. I mean, but Last week was a big game, but I mean, this week just means more almost than dang near any other game of the year, except for maybe a couple of championship games, but it's a good one. It's a good one.
1: What are you, what are you looking forward to most? Like from OU side of things, what, are, what do you think are the keys going to be uh, for the Sooners this week?
0: I think the number one thing I'm looking forward to is like us actually playing up to our capability. I think it's, pretty safe to say the entire year OU fans' frustration has not been lack of talent it's been as maybe it has been in other years um, but it's really been just why aren't we playing up to our capabilities I mean you look at the first few games our offense struggles mightily and then this past game you can make an argument you know our defense didn't play as well and offense kind of picked it up so I mean when are you going to play a game where all three faces of the ball are playing complimentary football is the real question. So, I mean, that's what I'm looking forward to because I think, I think our offense is going to play pretty well this weekend, but is our defense finally going to step up and play to its capability when the offense plays well? So I'm, I'm worried about our offensive line as is everybody. I mean, we can dive into that more later, but, uh, But just seeing us play up to the capabilities of what we're supposed to do. I mean, there's a reason we are national champ contenders and still are, but almost not favorites, but in the talk to be a favorite going into the year. And we are sitting here game five and we're looking at ourselves and seeing that. Well, we haven't seen anything. We haven't lost yet, knock on wood, but we haven't seen anything that's brought us uh, brought us an idea that that's still on the table.
2: Yeah, so what uh, – you could just tell at K-State that the offense just looked different and a lot better than what they've looked like. What do you – in your opinion, what looked best and, like, what specifically were they doing better than other games earlier in the year?
0: I think the first thing is, like, we're running the ball. Yeah. I think – the, I mean, it is so easy to point at this because it's just such an important factor, and it may not be as important factor as it would have been 10 years ago. But if you can run the ball, it opens up so much more. I mean, you go back two, three years into like when we had Kyler, Baker's last couple of years, the reason we were so successful through the area was because we had a threat of run. Mm-hmm. And we were able to make those quick play action. It's not quite the pro style drawback play action, but we're we are able to make those quick play actions and make throws that are open. But the first few games, they were sitting back, sitting those back, sitting back in coverage and playing, you know, drop eight and um, daring us to run, and we couldn't run. And so that really limits your playbook, especially when your offensive line is struggling mightily.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, uh, Kennedy Brooks looked really, really good against K-State. I mean, that guy is just so consistent. He's been doing it for years now. And, yeah, just being able to show something on the ground. uh, Because you're right, I mean, OU's deep ball game, kind of you've got to be able to run the ball to set up the the deep ball, which is kind of what Lincoln's known for is getting having wide receivers running free, which we haven't seen this mm-hmm. year. I
2: think we saw a little bit more of that uh, against K-State Saturday. Yeah. I think also getting Rattler out on the edge and that play action because we could run. So that that's been huge. Yep. And I, then I, go ahead. I think
0: we're seeing also too, Lincoln having to actually develop himself as a play caller because we do quite – I think we've came to the realization that this offensive line is just not where it's at, We're not Mm -hmm. where it's supposed to be at this in the season. I mean, you even look in the past when we had Orlando as a leader and when we had – I think it was the year after that. I mean, the line did struggle earlier in the year, but they brought it together, and we're not seeing any progress week five. You know, and so I think we're seeing Lincoln develop as a play caller because he's going to have to get Rattler on the edge. I think it was easy to look at games one, two. I mean, throw out Western Carolina. I think both all, both of you all agree on that. We just yeah. got to throw that game out statistically. But uh, you look outside of Western Carolina the first few games, and it was easily to point the finger at Rattler because of his throws. But then you really go back and watch the tape, and you look at it and see – man, he is not able to set his feet because that line is not giving him any time. Mm
1: -hmm. Yep. I've completely agree with you there. He's He really hasn't been that. I mean, sure, he's made some probably questionable throws downfield at time to time, but yeah, he's had no time to do anything. That opposite line has uh, struggled, but they it does seem like Beatonbo is making some, kind of shifting things around. I saw Wanya Morris's playing time is picked up at left tackle. I mean, your perspective is someone who played on the team, so you know the coaching staff and kind of how they roll. What's the – it seems like Biedenboe likes to have his offensive line kind of like – or his main five kind of come together at this point in the season. Is there – do you think we're kind of starting to see who's going to end up getting the bulk of the playing time up front for the Sooners?
0: I think we are, and but I think it's not going to come as soon as – I think we're all guessing and I'm agreeing that like it's not going to come as soon as we saw before, especially because even in the years prior, I mean, you're looking at maybe we have a guard in question or maybe we have a tackle that we're rotating, but I mean we have two or three positions that are really up in the air right now. And especially when you have five guys on the line, it's really tough to play those combinations to find which works. But quite frankly, I mean, this is something I think we can all agree that it should have been, it should be farther ahead in this time of the season. Regardless, mm-hmm. regardless if they're not good or not, not good where they are, like we should be able to throw out five players and know we're gonna play these five players because this is the best we have. It might not be good, but this is the best we have. And I'm curious to hear what y'all think is the best five that y'all have seen this far.
1: I mean, who's I don't even know who I would like. I think Chris Murray's probably who I think has been the most impressive of all the guys. Um, I think Raym seems consistent. He but he got pushed around against West Virginia a little bit there, mm. but I, he's I think he's really talented. Yeah, I don't. I think Raym at center, Murray at one of the guards. Uh, I think Harrison's been disappointing. I think at tackle, I don't think, and that which surprised me. He was he was kind of who I thought going into the season was, I mean, he looked really good last season. So I, I honestly don't know. I mean, maybe Wanya Morris, one of the tackles, uh, Murray at guard, uh, uh,
0: Marquise and Tyrese, but I mean, it's, they're the guys who are getting all the penalties.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know.
1: It's so weak. It just, it seems so, I mean, the offensive line last year wasn't elite but it was a weird COVID year. The offensive line the year before had kind of started to, they they weren't as bad as they are now, but it kind of started going downhill. It's just weird to me because, I mean, everyone knows how good of a coach Biedenbo is and how good of a developer of talent. I mean, look what he did with guys like Ben Powers, Cody Ford. It's something clearly just hasn't really clicked for that group, but I don't know.
0: No, I know. I think it's kind of shocked us all because, like you said, it has been something that we've been seeing in years past that, it does click sooner, or late, sooner than later, um, pun intended. But uh, <laughs> but it just hasn't with this group, and it hasn't on a different levels. I mean, I think I'd rather ride or die with Wanye tackle because I don't think Anton is just quite there yet, and Chris Murray. And then, but I don't. I mean, I don't know. Or maybe I think I've just not. I know Tyrese is a really good player. But I've just not seen what I need to see at him at the tackle position yet. I know to show that he's a he's tackle. a
1: guard. He's a guard. Then he should be playing guard. That's part of our issue. Is I think our OU's tackle depth is is really coming to question. And you're playing guys that are naturally should be slid inside or having to play tackle. So yeah, I think he just might be playing out of position. Could be his, his issue. Yeah,
0: and that's I mean that's a sh- problem we shouldn't have. Yeah. You know, quite We're frankly, also-
2: I we're also realizing how fortunate we've been with the offensive lineman we've had for the last five, six years, like all starters in the NFL, especially Creed. I mean, losing Creed, a player like Creed at center. That's, that's huge. I mean, that affects your entire line really. That's what we're seeing. Yeah. I mean, he was kind of the band-aid that held this group together last
1: year. But yeah. And then, so offensive lines, clearly OU's biggest concern, I think offensively, Uh, I mean, quarterback play could be better. I think, you could probably want bigger plays out of the receivers. But overall, I think uh, the offensive line is the biggest concern there. Defensively, I, for me at least, I think they give up uh, way too much like over the middle, like mesh routes, slant routes. Uh, guys go untouched over the middle. Hmm. What do you see? I mean, that's pretty obvious. You can watch it on TV. You can see it. What else do you think defensively they could do to – so, I mean, they've been good so far this season. So, there aren't – No, I know. UCL it's changes, one of those but...
0: things that it's hard looking at it and criticizing it because we're so much better than years past. But um, at the same time, I mean, we're just giving up too many third downs. I mean, you look mm-hmm. at it, we're looking at third down long, fourth and – I mean, fourth and short, you're going to give up a few of those. But, you know, we're talking about fourth and fives, fourth and sixes, you know, fourth, yeah. and, fourth and middles, and we're giving those up. And those shouldn't be ones you give up more than – 40% of the time. And so uh that's been just kind of kind of disappointing. I don't know. I think our D line is I mean, I think Nick Benito's next level. I think we can all agree oh on gosh. that.
1: Yeah. He's a freak.
0: He's next level good. But I I think our D line is it's almost one of those things that like I hate to be like criticizing them, but like they're because I know they have the talent, like they just haven't put the rush on the passer on some of these games quite like they should have. Like last game, they just weren't getting to the passer until later in the game. And I understand that might be a thing if they're wearing down the opponent later in the game, but you got to get some of those pressures earlier in the game, especially when we have the depth and the talent that we're rotating so much. A Hasn't
2: lot it, of missed tackles too. Hasn't it seemed like week,
1: like Winfrey has kind of disappeared time to time this year? Yeah. Like he, I, he's such a talented guy and a, I mean a freak, but it seems like I'll go a whole game without even hearing his name.
0: No, 100%. I think it's one of those things that I don't know if he's. you watch him and he's just getting blocked or he's just about two or three steps away from the play. And so I don't know. I think you guys can agree on this. It's just been a constant theme of there's been a lot of guys offensively and defensively that we expected to take some sort of jump in terms of development from last season that just haven't taken it. I think there could be a couple that you could point out, be like, yeah, they've taken a good jump, but overall, like we're not seeing the development from year to year that we've even seen in years past from our defense and offense.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a just, and what's interesting is it's not just doesn't necessarily seem to be an OU thing. It seems like across college football, guys aren't taking that that next it's
2: been such next, a weird year yeah general. it has been really really. another weird. thing is I the mean, the cornerbacks um cornerbacks what do you who are your ideal corners we've seen quite a few what are you outs i think for a while so that's oh i think I, we can
0: all agree that he's probably one of them on the yeah, field that yeah, you'd like definitely. to have just his size and he might not be the best coverage but in terms of tackling and playing mm-hmm. playing with him and just being in the right place i think he's easily one of them and then after that i mean i haven't seen anything to distinguish i mean you think jane davis would have taken a leap forward this year in terms of development because he's been a very good cover guy you know and you know there's a couple just routes i mean there was one in the end zone against k-state that he just lost a man oh you i know?
2: know he was like five tr- yards back from the goal line
0: exactly and it looked like they're playing like a cover two and like he was um didn't trust the safety over the top and when you're in goal line you gotta trust trust your guys and um so I'd say if we couldn't count Woody, I mean it's tough. What are you guys thinking?
2: I, I, mean, I think McCutcheon. McCutcheon's
1: young. I think McCutcheon but and I think Graham. Since, I think they're. Yeah. I think they're both. Yeah. Then I think Graham sometimes loses guys in coverage, but can make it up for with just being athletic. a freak athlete.
0: I think McCutcheon gives you. I'm always playing the long term too. Yes, you want the most out of playing the guys on the field right now but if you play McCutcheon right now I mean he's a true freshman you're going to get development he's going to learn he's going to get better throughout the year and so I would rock with him and I do like the fact that we rotate but I'm just saying on key third downs like those are those are I agree those are the two guys we should have on there on the field
1: yeah and I mean I think this will probably be our biggest test for our DBs this season we haven't really played that or two lane can throw the ball around, but we haven't played really too dynamic of a uh, no. passing offense. So I think it's going to be a, a test uh, for the DBs this weekend, but uh, kind of, I want to, when we wrap up, I want to come back into the game but before we do that, just th- this game. And we've talked about it is just so unique from someone who's experienced it from a, a player and as a fan, what, which, what do you prefer? Like, did you, do you enjoy, I mean, I'm sure coming out, there's nothing probably like coming out of that tunnel.
0: No, there's nothing coming like coming out of that tunnel. I mean, when, you know, because we're coming out of the OU side, they don't have to put up the curtains, (laughs) but, uh, but I mean, just the sound and the roar and just like, I'm telling you, no matter what, like I don't get, I don't know how all 90,000 people get that rowdy at 11am, you know, including myself, but, uh, but, probably as a player, but I'm telling you, like, it's not that much drop off as a fan. Cause I think you guys can agree. There's just something special about that stadium that there's just a different energy, like that. You almost affect the game a little bit actually with your, with your actions and your cheering, Yeah. And so like, you're actually able to make a difference from the stands. And so I def, I mean, I definitely prefer it as a player just because the ebbs and flows and uh. Running out, warming up, all that is like extremely cool and like once in a lifetime chance. And so, but I mean, being a fan is not half bad.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you when you're a player, you don't get the wax beers and Fletcher's corny dogs. Corn dogs, no. I mean,
0: that's what I'm saying. My first year when I was done, I got the experience that first like pre nine a.m. Fletcher's corn dog and wax cup beer. You know,
1: are you are you are you doing a plank right now? Are you getting some ab workout? Jesse was about to knock out some (laughs) pushups.
0: No, I my back is just getting sore, so I'm like on the ground now. <laughs> um, I,
2: I also think the the split the fifty yard line is not only one of the coolest things to see, just that exact divide on the fifty, but changing fields and when you're in the fourth quarter and you're going into your own yeah. end zone and away, it's like it makes such a big difference. I think it definitely has. I mean, I'm sure there are other stadiums, but I think the fan experience and fan involvement and actually like a, a purpose on the field is huge. Oh, Texas. I, Everyone that tries comparing, and I'm sure the Florida Georgia game is awesome, mm-hmm.
1: but it's it. There's nothing else yeah. in sports like this game in the middle of State Fair. I mean, it's just, and I'm like, not. I don't want to act like a fanboy hosting this college football podcast, and I t- I try not to about OU, but this game, like, I don't even care. Like, yeah. it is. There's nothing like it. Right. And it's, it's amazing.
0: <laughs> it really is. I mean, that's what like each game. You could argue that it has a component that might match up to his game, you know, Ford and Georgia might have like the nastiness and like, you know, like rowdiness, but I mean, you don't have the stadium, you don't have the state fair, you don't have the nostalgia, you don't have the history. I mean, there's, there's nothing that even has like two thirds of that stuff in terms of games.
2: Yeah. Obviously you've been around the game for so many years with your dad. Uh, are there any early memories that stand out to you? Oof.
0: Ironically, it's almost the bad ones that stick with me more than the good ones. I remember twenty; it would have been two thousand, wouldn't even been twenty. It's been two thousand. Would that have been the seventh season? We went lost one game.
1: Yeah, the, was that the year we played? The, the year we played in the national title.
0: Yeah, that would have been that year. So we lost 45-35. This was even before instant replay was a thing, and they had <laughs> a they had a interception that we should have got in the end zone, but they said he dropped it. And that was like the difference of the game. We lost by 10 points. That was Colt McCoy. I don't know what year that would have been him for him, but we lost 45-35. And we ended up going to the national championship because of thank you, Michael Crabtree. But um, but that's one that st- sticks out. And then honestly, like just being at the fair, I'm telling you, like, as you guys know, like when you walk in and out, and there's just another hundred thousand people that are just there at the fair mm-hmm. and you walk in and out and the food and the lights and the toys and the games and the rides and stuff like that. I mean, that's the things I always honestly remember a lot as a kid is just riding the rides like before and after the game, like win or lose, you know, that's what yeah. I was thinking about.
1: Yeah. I I mean, there's I'm trying to think I've probably gone to 12 or 13. OU Texas games. And I think game wise, some of my favorite memories are those early, uh, or those, uh, the Landry Jones era, I feel like we Ooh, were. that, that had some was a really huge good. win. Didn't we win? I, there was like two or three years in a row there where we were beating them like 63 to 14 or like mm-hmm. 52
2: to 17. Like we, those those were, uh, there's a good run of games there. Parker and I also skipped our senior homecoming for the OU Texas game. <laughs> so <laughs> no, we did. I like that decision that we made. Yeah. I think I'll still stand by. Yeah, that by was that. a very good decision. <laughs> uh, and we better have won that game though. I think we, I think we. I'm gonna say we did. No, well that it was would have 2015. Been, that, I believe. No, that was. I think that would have
1: been that really horrible uh, year where the Sooners went on to play and get pounded by Clemson in the Champ Sport Bowl.
2: Oh uh, yeah. So
1: hey, I I think we still yeah. beat Texas that year though. I don't. Even we could
0: have. I mean, we lost five games total. I think that year, we lost.
2: Hey, yeah, we should thank Athletic Bowl.
0: Yeah, that was a miserable game. Maybe one of the most miserable games of all time. Uh, but that year brought us Lincoln Riley, so I guess it was like a blessing in disguise.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's otherwise
0: true. we would have still had Josh Heupel fighting Josh Heupels. <laughs> hey, good. I mean, more power to him. He hey, he worked yeah. his way up and became Definitely. a head coach. Well, more power to him. But
1: yeah, yeah, that was bring us- that was good for all sides. That was good for for Josh. That was good for OU. Yeah, I
0: mean, both the, both the coordinators that got released after that became head coaches and still are to these days. So it's kind of
1: wild. Mm -hmm. All right. So kind of getting to wrap up here. So one, I want to ask you your game prediction score, who you think wins, and then to follow up on that, how you think the trajectories of both these teams go after your projected projected result.
2: Okay.
0: I'll give you the trajectory first and then I'll give you my score. But uh, it's kind of funny because this kind of is like the same, both teams are entering the same point as previous years, a couple of previous years. If you guys can remember, like when Texas lost to Maryland, like back-to-back years, um, it was like, they were once again, they were supposed to be good. And then they lost to Maryland and then they were kind of player playing better and trending up. And then, this game happened and then they lose a couple more games. And I think that easily well could be them again this year. Granted, I do think they are better than they are in years past. And I think that Arkansas game was a buzzsaw. I mean, I, I still don't understand why they didn't start Casey Thompson over a Hudson card. I'm not in their quarterback room. I'm not in their practice. Room. When you talk about starting somebody earlier in the season, I don't know why they didn't start them. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not going to go back go go as far and say as Texas is going to be really good, but I think they are trending on the up. I mean, I could see them having a nine and three year, you know, uh, losing again to us, and then maybe the Okie Light and uh, and or like a bail, I mean, losing to us or like a Baylor or something. But I think they are trending up, but I'm not. I'm not quite ready to say that they're going to be national contenders. And then I think it's hard to. If we win this game, it's one of those things that I really do think we it can jump, jump start us and actually get us going and playing to our capabilities and our confidence and stuff. And so, I mean, everything is still on the table for us. In previous years, we look at it and we're like, we have a loss or two, like last year. And we're like, oh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if we still have what we want on the table. But this year, we still got it. We don't have a loss. We haven't played well, but we continue to win. So, I mean, we're pointing up, and I still – as you guys probably know, like love the waiver we're, we're recruiting. I mean, we're finally getting some guys like five stars on defense, you know, and some four stars and really racking in some D linemen and actually having depth. And so I think that's positive that, I mean, maybe, I mean, it's way too early to tell maybe next year will be kind of a down year, quote unquote, but I mean, as a whole, we're really pointing on the way up. But if, my projection is 31 27 but i think i think it's gonna be that's really it's probably about middle scoring but i think both offenses are going to show up defenses is going to play okay decent but i think the difference is gonna be we're just gonna score one more touchdown they're gonna
1: have the field goal so hey that that will have we score one more touchdown and then we'll we'll
2: beat him
0: yeah one more point that's all we need yeah
2: i think gabe burkett needs to have a game ending game winning field goal like Dick or the Kicker the other year. Oh. It's only if fair. We can, it's only right.
0: <laughs> hey, if we could do that, I'm gonna go crazy because I actually still live with uh the holder Spencer Jones oh, is really? my roommate. So yeah. So uh no, so they got that connection going on.
1: Yeah. I uh I guess I'll go ahead and make my pick now too. I, I agree. I think I think the Sooners are gonna pull it off. I'm not I mean I'm I think it's going to be a really really good game. I think OU wins 34-31. I think Bijan Robinson's definitely the best back the Sooners will see all year. But that I th- but I think I think our or OU's front sevens look really really good against uh against the run. So, I think Texas is going to have to throw the ball and Casey Thompson's looked good but looked a little inconsistent against TCU, a little out of whack with his receivers. So, I think the Sooners are going to force them to throw it more than they want. And I think OU will win 34 31. But I
2: wouldn't be surprised if it goes either way. I mean, this this game, you just never know.
0: You never know. It really is one of those games.
2: How about you, Clint? I'm going to go 27 24 with a Burkich game ending winning goal. Oh. I love it. Hey, there you go. Burkich has been the MVP so
1: far this season. Yeah, for OU.
0: by far. He's not even close. He's yeah. insane. That yeah, guy really is
1: really nice. He, he, he is. 15, 20-year NFL guy. I have no doubt about that.
0: 100%. Watch
1: it is. out, Justin Tucker.
0: No, no lie. You're not lying.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's uh, – is he – does he have as much swag as it seems?
0: I think so, but I, I think he portrays more more than he has. You know, he – he. but that's the thing. Like, if you walk like that on the field and you follow it up, like, you got it then, and he's got it. So. Yeah yeah that's half
2: the kicking battle is confidence and he's got that yeah he definitely has that Um, i know
1: well i think that's that's all we have joe we really really appreciate you coming on we'll we'll have to have to do it again because there's no one i like talking sooner football more with than you so really appreciate it and uh hopefully i'll see you down there this weekend
0: hey yeah no uh, make sure to text me but hey Clinton Parker, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, I hope to be back on later in the year.
2: That was our interview with Joe C. Jr. On to Week 6 preview. Let's start off with 3-4. Penn State playing at Iowa this weekend. Huge game in the Big Ten.
1: Yeah, this one should be a lot of fun. The folks in Iowa City, not happy game day. Chose OU Texas. Yeah. Uh, but it's the Fox game of the week, so it'll be the Fox big noon kickoff. Um, although I think the game's actually... 230 eastern game so um but yeah this is gonna be a good really good game two of the best defenses in the country both top 10 in yards per play Iowa's was fourth in the country penn state's ninth uh as good as both these defenses are and i think iowa in my opinion is the second best defense of the country behind georgia um as good as both these defenses are i think it's gonna come down to the offenses particularly penn state uh i'm Not a huge Penn State believer. I think that they've been a bit overhyped by beating teams that aren't that good. Wisconsin and Auburn, I don't think either of those teams are that good. And not really dominating either of those, winning one-position games in both. Um, So I think Sean Clifford's going to have an opportunity to prove me wrong here. Um, He's been good this year. He has not made many mistakes. He's cut down since last year. He has had three interceptions or an interception in his last three games. And he can't do that against this Iowa defense. If you give those ball hawks and their back end an opportunity to uh, make a play, they will, and they'll make you pay for it. They've will they scored three defensive touchdowns this year. And if they're not scoring on the return, they're going to probably score on the ensuing drive. Um, so I think that's kind of the key if Clifford can take, I mean, really, he needs a big game in my opinion. I think – I think the spread on this was two and a half. I was two and a half point favorite at home. I personally think they should be six seven point favorites. I think there's a a gap between these teams. I think Iowa's offense is bet may not better, but well, I guess better. I just like their offense better. I think Tyler Goodson's one of the better running backs in the Big Ten. And Penn State, their maybe one weakness defensively is stopping the run. Auburn was able to run on them uh, not at will but run on them well so I think I don't think Clifford's good enough I think he'll make a couple mistakes against a defense that loves creating mistakes and I think Iowa will be able to convert on those opportunities And I just don't see Penn State scoring a lot here under could be something to look at but I love um, Iowa here and I like Iowa to cover
2: yeah the over-under is at 40 and a half too in a big defensive battle so yeah. we'll see yeah another another thing i was just looking at is iowa's biggest wins iowa state who obviously they lost to baylor and then indiana who's not that great in penn state wisconsin which we thought that was a great win of first of the year and they're not they're not that good either yeah,
1: so, so uh, it, we'll find out a lot about yeah me.
2: definitely all right moving on to michigan at nebraska this will be a this is an underrated game of the weekend, too. I think Nebraska can give them some trouble.
1: Yeah, a lot of people, I think, are ready to ready to kind of throw in the, the towel on the Huskers, um, but they're don't look at that three and three record and think they're a bunch of slouches. They uh, they're getting on track. They rolled Northwestern last week, fifty six seven. They were favored, but to see them win in that fashion was was impressive. Um, so this game against Michigan is the first of three potential top ten teams coming to Lincoln this year. They've got Ohio State and Iowa coming later in the season. So this is their first not their first their first home opportunity over a top 10 team. Nebraska's had chances already against good opponents, um OU and Michigan State, but turnovers and special teams and just dumb errors kept them from uh, winning those games. Should have definitely beat Illinois. Um so I look at that 3 and 3 record and they should be at least 4 and 2 arguably for five and one. Um, What's surprising to me is because their defense uh, was good last year. And is not surprisingly solid again this year. What's surprising me is Adrian Martinez and that offense is starting to to get going. Um, I was shocked when I saw this, they have more, more 30 plus yard plays than anyone in, in the power five conferences. I think, there's two teams that have the same name You said amount. Nebraska? Yeah. Wow. Which was shocking to me. So they just they've got they make they kind of choke honestly, but they're that's kind of what's kept them from winning games, but they've actually are playing pretty good offense to pair with a good defense. So I think this is going to be a tough one for Michigan. They've gotten hyped up especially over that win over Wisconsin which uh they the score was it shouldn't have been that. It wasn't I the gap between Michigan and Wisconsin wasn't as big as that score indicated. Mm-hmm. It was a 17-13 game when Graham Mertz left that game with an injury at quarterback for Wisconsin.
2: Which, by the way, Graham Mertz.
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so Michigan has looked good. They Their run game is awesome. Cade McNamara played a solid game last week. He still needs to show me some more. But uh, I was really impressed by the run defense, like I mentioned earlier. I just I don't think the I think these are actually two pretty even teams. I think Michigan is good, not great, and is beating solid teams, not great teams. Mm-hmm. I think Nebraska's the best team Michigan's played yet this year. I think they're better Wisconsin, so I uh I don't think see I don't think I think Nebraska's gonna win one of these games against a uh a top ten team, and I don't think they're going to to Ohio State or Iowa, so I had to pick them here. I think Huskers win. I like plus I like three it. if you don't want to pick them out right, but I think I think Nebraska is going to pull this
2: one off. Yeah. All right, moving on. Good SEC matchup. Mentioned it earlier. Ole Miss currently favored by six against Arkansas. They're playing at Ole Miss.
1: Yep. This is huge for both these teams. This mm-hmm. uh, this could kind of the winner of this game kind of puts them right back on track. Loser of the game could potentially. Spiral out of control with consecutive losses. Revenge game though for Matt Corral. He threw six interceptions against Arkansas last year. I think they only lost by like ten. So, uh, I think that says something that uh, that Ole Miss still competed even though Corral played one of the worst games he could literally possibly play. Um, but he's kind of points to that game as a, a a springboard into what he's done recently. I think it. Uh, he was talked about how bon- like he and Kiffin's bond grew after he didn't bench him in that game. So, um, real opportunity for him here, uh, and for these teams to kind of see who's potentially the second best team in the West. Yeah, I think Auburn's still in the running for that, but I like both these teams more than the Auburn. Uh, I think Ole Miss is going to win this one. I think their defense is, st- even though Alabama was ran it all over them. I do think their defense is still greatly improved this season. Uh, not Probably not as good as the Arkansas defense, uh, but I just don't like Arkansas playing a team with this type of firepower. They can't win in a shootout, and mm-hmm. Ole Miss is going to score points. Yeah, So um, Arkansas is going to have to run the ball well. If they, can, if they can find what Alabama found against that Ole Miss rush defense and can uh, kind of control the clock, keep the ball out of Corral's hand, they're going to have a shot, but I don't think they will. I think – I think Ole Miss wins this one. Uh, I don't. I'm not going to take one or one side or the other of minus six. I think that's a good number, but mm-hmm. uh, I like Ole
2: Miss here. All right, staying in the SEC, Georgia favored by 14 and a half against Auburn, playing at Auburn. I think this is uh, actually not the best
1: matchup for Georgia. Auburn's rush defense is really, really good. Uh, they're sixth in the country in uh, yards allowed per rush. So I think that they'll that'll kind of keep him around for a while, especially if JT Daniels is still out and Stetson Bennett's a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Georgia's gonna have to really rely on the run more. Yeah, they didn't really have to use so Stetson not, Stetson Bennett last week, right? Yeah, they didn't have to at all. Yeah, I don't think they're gonna. So I don't think they're gonna. Um, they're not gonna be able to run the ball at will like they did on Arkansas. So I think that'll keep Auburn hanging around long, or for a little while. But at the end of the day, Bo Nix is not gonna. He's gonna make a ton of mistakes
2: against yeah. Georgia defense. Like that guy is a walking fumble or interception. I just interception. feel bad for anyone who has to go there, to go against that defense. They're just unreal. Yeah, so I like Georgia here. I I, I really like Georgia here. Yeah. I think just if anyone,
1: <laughs> Bo Nix can look very average against mm-hmm. bad teams. So I'm just scared for what that defense is gonna to do to him. I like Georgia here pretty comfortably.
2: Yeah. And then uh finishing up quicker on these games, uh go ahead and Yep. Uh
1: Stanford's going to Arizona State, chance for them to pull off back to back ranked wins. I don't think that's gonna happen. But one play I'm already locked in on is Stanford plus ten and a half or maybe eleven. If you can get this one, if you can get Stanford more than ten points, I take it. I think they're a good team. Uh and we'll would we'll, have a good chance of covering that, uh, Michigan state sneaky trip to New Jersey to play Rutgers. Uh, one, I would like to give a little plug for Jaden Reed for Michigan state. He's become must watch television, uh, back-to-back games with return touchdowns and he leads the nation in all purpose yards. Guys, just electric. But that being said, they've kind of been living on the edge, squeaking out some victories here recently. Uh, I think Rutgers is going to win this one. They've been knocking on the door. They played Michigan tough. Yeah. Uh, They uh, lost to Ohio State pretty big, but I think Rutgers is solid, and I don't think there's a huge gap. I love, love, love Rutgers plus six here. I think that's a lot of points. Even if Michigan State pulls this off, they're not a team that is going to go out and really beat the brakes off someone. So I think Rutgers keeps this close, and I'm going to pick them to win. Uh, Maryland, traveling to Ohio State. Uh, I think we a lot of points in this game if Ohio State's defense continues to struggle because Maryland, outside of what we saw against Iowa, they can throw the ball around, um, but I think Ohio State wins comfortably uh, and scores a lot of points. Uh, Boise State's traveling to BYU. I think BYU um, wins this one, stays undefeated. Uh, We'll be interested to see if Jaron Hall is back at quarterback. They're going to need him at some point. Uh, they kind of struggled against. Uh, uh, who did they play? Uh, Utah State. Their back-to-back games against Utah State and South Florida, they haven't looked that good. So they need a need Jared Hall, Jaren Hall back when they've got tougher tests down the stretch here. Big game for Coach O and LSU heading to Kentucky. This could be an opportunity for LSU to pick up a big win because it could be a letdown opportunity. But being at Kentucky, I think I think the Wildcats pull it off. I think they're just the better team. Mm-hmm. Uh really sound run game. They found a good quarterback and LSU just offense sputtering rush defense. Very questionable. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a legitimate chance they could finish the season. Like they could like lose their next five games. They've got a tough, brutal stretch to end the season. So I think Kentucky will beat them. And I mean, I don't think I, I can't see coach. O making it through this season, but we'll
2: see. Um, West Virginia traveling to Baylor. Baylor trying to bounce back. Wow, before you go on, I just that is a rough schedule. Next five games at Kentucky, uh, home against Florida, at Ole Miss, at Alabama, home against Arkansas. So yeah. those are five legit wow. Yeah. Hmm. All right, continue. Um,
1: West Virginia at Baylor, Baylor lost OSU. West Virginia lost a bad one to Texas Tech. Um I like Baylor here. I think this will be a low-scoring game. Baylor wasn't able to run the ball against Oklahoma State like they have against other teams, but OSU's defense is really good. Um, I think they'll have an opportunity to get a little bit more going on the ground against West Virginia, and I think they pull it out in a close one. TCU traveling to Tech. Tech coming off that win over West Virginia. big win for for Matt Wells. Uh, they seem to have improved this season. Also have a nice win over Houston, who's 4-1. and one. Um, this was a tough one for me. I think T- TCU is going to ba- bounce back. I don't think Gary Patterson's losing three in a row after losing to SMU and Texas, two good teams. Uh, but I think, I think TCU goes on the road. They got better players. They got weapons. They've got to feed Zach Evans. He's the best player. He'll be the best player on the field. So get him the ball. Uh, and I think TCU wins Alabama traveling to college station to play AM and what? Before the season was a game people thought might decide the SEC West. Well, that's not obviously the case. A and M might be the fourth or fifth best team in are maybe I mean they might be the they might be the worst team in the SEC West. Yeah. I mean they haven't showed anything. Yeah, I mean that loss to Mississippi State was bad. Uh but I do think A and M. might keep this one a little bit closer than expected. I think Jimbo just knows Saban and that system decently well. I think Alabama wins easily, but A&M might have a shot at covering there. Calzada and that offense though just yeah. Ugh, gross. He was shedding some tears walking off I the I felt game. bad for the guy. Yeah. I really did because there were such high expectations for that program uh-huh. and that's a nutty fan base so yeah. I can't imagine what he deals with. Yeah. Um um we got Florida State traveling to UNC. I think Florida State drops this one. Sam Howell and the UNC offense is going to be way too much for those Florida State defensive backs. Uh, opportunity for Notre Dame to bounce back against Virginia Tech on the road. I think they will. I think this will be a good game, close game. Two teams that both tend to I think play to their competition. And I think Notre Dame will pull this one out though. And uh, interest, Interested to see if Justin Fuente makes it through the season at VaTech. and last one, da-da-da-da-da. the Toilet Bowl game of the year, UConn <laughs> at UMass. I mean, these are literally probably the worst two teams in the country. Uh, it will be UConn coming off just a heartbreaking loss to the Commodores of Vanderbilt, another really bad team. The tough uh, Commodores. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with and UConn UConn UConn. UConn. Huskies pull off the win
2: in the game of the year. Wow, what a bold take. All right, moving on to trivia. I, once again, everything's blending together. I think you did at three for, three five, for five, I believe. Then, so. All right, let's see how you do this week. Get my timer. Question one, who was on the cover of NCAA football 13?
1: Okay, so was that the last one? Was Or 14, the last one?
2: I think it was 14. So I believe
1: Denard Robinson was the last one 2014, which would mean
2: 2013. Ten seconds. Mark Ingram? (laughs) It was that RG3 Barry Sanders, that Ah, duo cover. Over one. Question two at KU, what coach bridged the gap between Charlie Weiss and Les Miles? Oh, uh,
1: I know him. I, I mean, I don't know him. I know I, I can see his face. He was the A and wide receiver coach. Middle-aged white guy, brown hair. Uh, he was the A and wide receiver coach. What is his name? Can you tell me what just his his?
2: Initial- I'll give you. I'll give you a hint, but this counts as half a point. D B are his initials. In uh, Ten more Dan, seconds. Uh, <laughs> Sound it out. Dan. David Beatty. David Beatty. Babe. all right over to question three what school did west virginia quarterback clint trickett transfer from uh florida state one for three question four what wide receiver caught to his national championship winning touchdown in 2018
1: devontae smith
2: two for four I knew that would be a little too easy. You could just picture that in that corner of the end zone. (laughs) All right, question five. What quarterback was beat by Jameis Winston in Florida State in the 2013 BCS Championship? Auburn. What quarterback? Oh, what quarterback? Yeah. Uh, Nick Marshall. Three for five. Not bad. Not bad. All right. That is our uh, week six podcast episode. We got a big guest coming up next week. Parker, go ahead and close us off. Yeah, uh, big one coming up next week. You're not going
1: to want to miss it. Don't want to give it away, but we're having our first ever player interview. Uh, and we're really, I mean, this is a guy in competition. I mean, a guy that could legitimately leave or in the season with some hardware. So that's all I'll leave it with. <laughs> uh, It's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, don't miss that uh follow us on twitter and instagram we'll be sharing everything on there T- we're gonna try to get better about posting clips and stuff yeah um trying to figure all, all that out but uh twitter is at fifth year podcast and instagram is at the fifth year podcast and as always uh really appreciate everyone's support uh, appreciate everyone listening crazy that we're already like halfway through the regular season it's kind of sad yeah but uh Yeah, this is uh, another good slate of games this weekend. Kind of starting to figure out who the pretenders and the contenders are. So, uh, yeah, let's have another good weekend of football.